I'm not an iPad power user like you. I'm sorry that this is taking forever. Everything's got to be just exactly perfectly right for you to do this. It does. I have to be like in the zone, Daniel. You've got to make your tea. You've got to set up your iPad. It's just, yep. It's I got to like, do my mic stand. Yep. Got to make sure my audio is right. Got to have like my, my, my little station. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things got to do to do the thing. Apparently. Mm-hmm. You look like you've got it all now, though. Well, I am restarting my iPad, but <laughs> so I'm just going to rely on you to know what's on the show notes. You know what? I know what the first thing on the show notes is. Which is what? It's summer now. It is. And we podcast without air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Because, because, because we care about our listeners. Because we care about our listeners and we want the highest quality sound that we can provide. That's true. And so I'm going to start podcasting shirtless. We might have to compromise on that air conditioning. Yep, I'm actually taking off my shirt right now. <laughs> And so everyone can just uh, imagine that at home if they need to. If they need to. Please they... please don't. <laughs> and that's just how we're going to do it. It's summer. Lucas is shirtless. And we're podcasting about cameras. <laughs> don't know if that's a great show pitch, but that's what we got today, I guess. We're calling it shirtless summer. <laughs> Hot boy summer. Here we come. <laughs> if, you say, if you say so. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're back today to talk more about the gear we use for photo and video. Okay, let's do this thing. First topic. Hit me with it. So Apple announced something recently. Yeah, I know every 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 single podcast I listened to mm-hmm. was like, we're talking about the Vision Pro this week. And I just, I was like, oh my gosh, there's just too much. Yep. There's too much talk about this whole thing. And I just, I can't do it anymore. And so it's time for us to add to the noise, right? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's not even a camera, Daniel. It has cameras on it. It has so many cameras. <laughs> it has like 13 cameras. <laughs> I am curious what you think about it in general. But I mean, you know, to make it, to make this something that our audience would be interested in, we should de- probably talk a little bit about the camera aspects, what we think it means for filmmaking and stuff like that. I do think that piece of it is pretty interesting. Yeah. Because you know all your like your James Camerons of the world really love like 3D and and doing that sort of like I mean Avatar was pioneered a lot of like three dimensional movies right and so I can really see you know the next you know big production that's like Avatar three or whatever I mean watch it on your Vision Pro because mm-hmm. like that's going to be the best 3D experience yeah. So and, I mean, what do you, but but like, do you think that's actually going to take off? Because three D TVs were a thing several years ago, and nobody has the has a three D TV now. I mean, it just it just fell completely flat. So like, what makes this different? I think that there's a, I think this is different in that it is, it's truly stereoscopic, and like you are feeding those videos directly into your eyes. You don't have to wear any sort of glasses. Ha! I mean, you have to wear. <laughs> let me say, hold on, you wait. have to wear one very expensive <laughs> set of glasses. Okay, so. Like maybe that's different, but I think that the experience that you're going to get is just entirely different from watching like here's a screen that has things popping out of it mm-hmm. to I'm wearing this set headset and like the world actually looks three dimensional. Yeah, and I think it's going to create opportunities for different kinds of video and content that we're just not seeing now. Mm-hmm. And like sure, there's the MetaQuest and there's other VR headsets out there, but then they're like kind of more geared towards gaming. I think that what's interesting about the Vision Pro that Apple's coming out with is that they're not focusing on the gaming and they're saying, you know, here is this 
really high resolution displays that are higher resolution than any other VR headset out there right now. And yeah, you're going to pay for it, but we, you can have these experiences and like see things in a way that you couldn't before. Sure. Well, and I think that in contrast to 3d TVs and, and associated stuff, one thing about it is that it's going to be a consistent experience for everyone that has it. So, you know, if you're making a 3d movie, then you don't know what, TV somebody's watching it on you know that's t- 3d TVs weren't super popular so that's kind of weird but I mean if this thing takes off then it seems like if somebody's making a movie they're going to know exactly what display and what experience someone's going to have watching it and so maybe they can make a better experience as a result yeah maybe I don't know I think that we're going to see some some sort of uptick in 3d it's I think it's impossible to say now if it's going to be a fad or if it's going to stick I we're going to see more and more of these types of headsets and it's starting to seem like the VR thing is becoming like actually viable. Like mm-hmm. the technology has finally caught up to the point where, you know, it's, it's doable and producible and you can have a good experience with yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I think that there is the weird part of like, if you're not home alone and you're like, I'm going to watch something on my super sweet VR headset it's just it's a little weird to like then to like isolate yourself in that yeah. way. It's a uniquely solo experience, and I have trouble imagining like if two people lived in a house to be like, okay, well let's both put on yeah. our thirty five hundred dollar headsets to watch this thing together. And like the for me watching movies and like that sort of content is more exciting when it's other people and it's like a group activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean. A social aspect, I guess. It seemed like in their presentation, they were very careful to always, sh- to almost always show a person by themselves with yeah. it. Oh, except for that, that one where um, the dad was. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> but, you know, I think it was smart of them to do that and not try to make it like this social thing with people in the room with you. Cause I mean, it's kind of, I agree with you. Like it's, it's harder to imagine that. Um, you know, whereas like I can kind of see it, you know, as a like, um, by myself and I'm going to watch this movie and like have this experience. Like I, I think I can see that, but I mean, I was going to say the the part of it that really fell flat for me was that whole thing with like the dad at his kid's birthday. And he's like, I'm going to put this headset on so I can capture this moment. And it's like, dude, maybe you should like, maybe your kid's memories of you should not just be like you wearing this stupid headset on your face. Oh, it's, it just, it looks so bad. And I kind of feel like they did that because there isn't like an alternate version of capturing. Mm-hmm. And if they just came out and said, hey, if you capture 3D video, then you can watch it back yeah. and like see see these memories in a way that you haven't been able to capture it, before. It seems to me like clearly where this is leading is that the next iPhone or some future iPhone is going to be able to capture the the type of video that would work with this thing. I think that that's the most interesting part of this from a camera perspective is that if you need to shoot 3d video now i guess you could go pull out maybe like your nintendo 3ds or I mean, like, now you need that there's a there's a canon rf lens oh that's that, right <laughs> that has two lenses on it and i think that's what it's for mm, okay okay yeah. so you shoot with that one rf, RF mm-hmm. lens but like if you're not a, like a movie maker that's probably the wrong way. Like if you're not making up a Hollywood production that's in 3D and you're shooting like two cameras that are mm-hmm. a set distance apart and all this stuff, then 
for us, like a consumer or like a, you know, a lower level filmmaker, how do you make things for 3D without having 3D like you know, dual scopic? Yeah, there's, there's just not there's not really a way to do that right now. Yeah, and so I think that this Apple finally moving into this space means that that's going to become a thing. Yeah, and I really expect the, the next iPhone to have separated cameras. I think you're probably right. You know, Apple's done some stuff in this area too because one thing that they showed as part of the Vision Pro stuff was I think it was an NBA game that they showed where they had filmed it with some sort of special VR camera rig and you could watch that game as if you were courtside and and it was like this like realistic experience thing. So they're yeah. doing something in that area. When like that's kind of been promised as you know, oh you'll be able to watch this game courtside mm-hmm. for years years yeah. and years and years and it's never happened i don't know it sounds like they got, i mean at least in the demo it sounds like they got pretty close so if anybody if anybody has the money and the pull to do it it's, it's absolutely apple. apple a lot of this stuff as far as the industry catching up and the content being there and the experiences being there has been waiting for apple to enter the market yeah because they have the influence mm-hmm. and so that's i mean we're going to start seeing it i think now that apple has finally you know, announce their headset and that sort of thing. Yeah, and they have that agreement with with uh, MLS, mm-hmm. and so I would expect the first like courtside whatever to be soccer. Yeah, that's what I expect too. Mm-hmm. It was it's an mm-hmm. interesting play by them to release Ted Lasso, get everybody pumped about soccer, <laughs> and go. then like have the exclusive streaming rights for soccer in the United States. Yeah, yeah, 4D chess there. Yep, but. All that to say, I mean, yeah, I think I think we will start seeing more 3D options for filmmakers, but I mean, at, at more of like a casual level, you know, like your average person wanting to film a birthday party isn't going to be using, you know, a, a fancy camera to do it. And so I think you're right. I mean, I think some future iPhone is going to support this. And that's the use case I see for that's that's the biggest use case I see for watching 3D content on it is you know, I'm capturing this moment with my phone. It feels casual. It's not like getting in the way. I'm not the dad at the party with the headset on. Like it doesn't have that weird stigma to it, but you're just like capturing this thing in a way that at some point later, you know, maybe, maybe now, or maybe 10 years from now, you can watch it on a headset and get this really cool experience. How does this RF stereoscopic 3D lens work? That's a good question. My, my best guess is that it projects some sort of weird image onto the sensor that you have to de-squeeze in software like sort sort of similar to like anamorphic i'm betting oh, it's something like that something like so like you have your those like 360 degree cameras mm-hmm. and then like it stitches it together and all that's, that stuff yeah that's my guess it's probably like a split image on the sensor well i guess that's not true because then it would be 3d uh, yeah okay so it's it's recording a split image on the sensor i'm just looking at it's two thousand dollars it's 5.2 millimeter f2.8 <laughs> dual fisheye 3D VR lens. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool lens. Okay, so apart from that, like, I don't know, I don't know how else you're doing this. So, like, call it now. Apple releases their iPhone with the split camera thing. Or do you think other companies like Sony or somebody is going to release? You know, here's your A7 vr edition that um, you you can sleep it's one camera and you can mount two ef lenses onto it <laughs> lock them both in oh that'd be cool make sure that make sure they're not both zooms and set to i mean there's a there's like a little bit of difference i mean this is something that people like who shoot you know hollywood 3d movies will talk about especially whenever it was first becoming a thing was 
there is, at least there used to be, enough imperfection in lens manufacturing that you can have two lenses that you're recording, you know, the right distance apart to do your stereoscopic. But if they're not, you know, perfectly equal, you can have problems. Yeah, that makes and sense. Huh. I don't know. It's you'll, uh, you'll have to buy like a matched pair mm-hmm, of, of mm-hmm. lenses. Yeah, you like you'll have your two, you know, uh, I guess they would be super wide, so like twelve millimeter, you know, E mount lenses, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them is actually like twelve point one millimeters, and you're like, why does this look so wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by at that point, I, I bet the camera software would be able to compensate for it. You know, Sony has the um, the focus breathing compensation. Mm-hmm. It's basically a similar thing. Yeah, I bet there'd be a way to calibrate it and make it work. But. It's it's twice as much twice as much imagery as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, and that's you, true. You read off. Maybe two. I guess the Canon's Canon version is one sensor. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's also going to hurt the resolution, right? Mm-hmm. So true. It'll it will technically half the resolution on the sensor, so that could be a problem. Yep. And if you're recording two images to one sensor, it's just going to be inherently overlaid, and then you have to do all of like the the depth splitting. I I clearly no, have no idea how this works. I mean, it it doesn't necessarily overlay two images on the sensor. Like I mean, it could be like side by side. Like maybe the thing you get is like split screen down the middle. And then you use software to split it up. I don't know. I don't actually know how it works. I clearly need to learn everything about how this really weird dual fish, I think, <laughs> works because I have no idea. Yeah. You're right, though. I think there will be more tech like that in the future. I mean, as these headsets take off, as more people are wanting that content, people are going to have to be able to film it. So we'll see what happens. Yep. And I guess we'll just we'll just talk about it here. Yep. In general, though, like, Besides the 3D aspect, what do you think about the goggles? I think that it's interesting. I think that it's uh, it, they have to start somewhere. Uh, I agree with all the other people who are talking about it that say this is not what they wanted to release, but this is what they had to release in order to start working on it because you have to iterate. Yeah. And that the obvious goal is, is like see-through glasses. Yeah, I mean, the text is not there yet for one thing. Sure, but also that would be an entirely different product. So I think that I think this is the first step. I also think this is super not for me. <laughs> I can't imagine a situation in my normal life where I would want to be wearing this. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want to like isolate myself in that way. I mean, you don't even like having things on your head. I know. Exactly. I can barely wear, barely wear uh, over the ear headphones. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't, I would never wear it, any, wear it when anyone else was around yeah. because I'd be worried that they were going to like go and like twist my nipple or something. <laughs> Because it's like shirtless summer, and they're just right there. <laughs> and so, like, I don't want to do that. And so, like, it's, okay, I have to do it whenever I'm alone. But it has that and, whole thing where you can see people around you. What about that? Uh, you don't trust it? I don't trust it, man. They're going to come get me. Someone's <laughs> going to, someone's going to, like, sneak up. I'm going to have my AirPods in or something, noise canceling. I'm not, I'm total sensory deprivation. And so, it's like, okay, well, there's the four hours a week where I'm actually alone. Mm -hmm. And so, that's when I'll use this thing. And then someone's going to, like, rob me. I don't know. The dog's going to, like, pee on something and I'm going to not know it. And it's just, I don't know. I just can't do it. I think you put it in the see-through mode and you put it on while you're driving home from work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm listening. (laughs) What about you? What do you think? I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Um I mean, it clearly is is a niche thing right now. Not that many people are going to buy it. It's so expensive. And it obviously remains to be seen like what what the killer app for it's going to be because I like, I was sure. kind of reminded of like the Apple Watch where it came out and had all these things you could do and then over time they kind of learned like what people actually used it for and then they really leaned into that because 
like the health stuff was only one little part of it when it came out. But then they realized that people really like doing fitness stuff with it. And so like now almost every feature they announce is related to fitness stuff and a lot of that. And so I think it's going to be similar where we don't really know what it's for. And like they kind of tried to demonstrate things you could use it for. And like the, the users will decide what it's actually for. I think that there's some interesting uses for it in like work applications for people who do any sort of 3D modeling, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, designing like machine parts or building buildings or architecture or that sort of stuff. Yep. But so much of that software is on Windows and I don't know how well that's going to integrate. And so I'm curious if this would be the thing where it's like, here's this other tool. And now all these companies that don't develop for Mac ever mm. are like, maybe we need to port our software to yeah. the Mac. So then, you know, make it possible for you to like reach out and pull this gear off of my screen and like look at it or like design this trust system or something. Because all that stuff is designed on Windows now because yeah. Apple just like, not it's not Apple's fault, but. These companies can, they're like, well, you know, we'll support one, mm-hmm. one operating system that's going to be Windows. Yeah. We'll so. see. That's, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably not going to buy it, but I'm curious to see how it goes. I think like the reviews that I saw seemed very positive on the technology. Yeah. And they all said that it worked really well and like the effect works well and all that. And I don't know. I'm curious to see what people do with it and stuff. And I mm-hmm. mean, I could I I spend more time alone than you do. I could see getting it someday. Like yeah, sim- similar to you, I wouldn't want to use it in public. Sure. Um, you know, I've done the FPV oh, drone. Like on, on an airplane. Yeah, I I would use it on an airplane. I mean, I've done the FPV drone stuff, so I'm yeah. a little bit yeah. more used to the idea of wearing goggles in public. But I mean, it just I think that the social aspects of it are going to be weird. You know, like I, I had that problem when I first started wearing an Apple Watch. That so, like you get a notification, you want to look at it, but looking at your watch when you're talking to somebody is a very obvious social cue. Yep. And I think this is going to be kind of, it's going to have similar problems, you know, like people are going to have to have to learn how to deal with that in social settings. And like the first time you see somebody at the grocery store wearing those, is just going to be like really weird and awkward for everybody. Are people going to be like out and about with these things on? I'm I'm sure they will. You know, you notice Apple didn't show any of that in their, in their marketing. Yeah. Um, but Somebody's going to wear that thing to the grocery store. Mm. Somebody's going to be wearing that in a movie theater, and you're going to be wondering what's going on with that. You know, we're, like recording that movie in uh, 3D, some so. 3D piracy. <laughs> so, so I don't know, but I think it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and I take it more seriously since Apple's doing it because they they tend to go all in on the stuff that they right announce. I find the camera bit to be kind of the thing that I'm most excited to see happen. As far as you know, what does this mean for future? movies and films and things that people are making and, you know, new camera technology and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see what happens. Yep. Okay. Enough of that. This isn't a tech podcast, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know how I let you put that thing on here. <laughs> so we like, talked oh, about cameras. Um, oh, jeez. It has so many cameras, Lucas. Okay. <laughs> it has so many cameras. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like all the 3D stuff and like the the feeding the real world into the mm-hmm. but like the like I don't know how good the dynamic range is of those cameras. And so it's like living in a in like a 13 13 stop world. Living in a 13 stop world. That's a podcast title. Yeah, it sure is. Okay. Let's talk about something else. All right. Are you familiar with Sigma? I, I think I've heard of them. Okay, they're a lens and camera company. Oh, okay. And you know, one of one of Sigma's deals 
I don't know if you know this about them, is they like image quality. They make very sharp lenses. They do. And they're one of the few companies out there that will that will decide to compromise for the image quality on a lens purposely. And that's what this new 14 millimeter is that they just came out with for L-mount and E-mount. They, they said, making really fast, ultra-wide is super hard because it's huge. And if you need autofocus, you got to have big old fat motors to move all that big old fat glass around. Mm-hmm. And it's enormous and heavy. And like, why would you ever make a really fast ultra wide? Because no one's going to want to use it because it's going to weigh a jillion pounds. Those are all uh, very true things. Mm-hmm. So what they announced? They announced this 14 millimeter f1.4 full frame lens, <laughs> and it is enormous. Now. I say it's enormous. It's not as big and heavy as a Noct. So, well, so, I, I don't know if that's the comparison we should be using here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 like a half an. It's maybe a little more than a half a Noct. It's like it's two point five pounds. That's pretty heavy. It's a. It's like a freaking huge Ima- lens. Imagine putting that on your little cute little like Sony A seven C or something. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the Nikon knocked 0.95 is four pounds. Man, so it's like only a little over half the weight of that. Jeez. Yeah, the the Nikon knocked is 4.4 pounds. Wow. So like, it's not unreasonable, but it's heavy. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. But it's also now the fastest wide prime you can get for E-mount. Oh. It's faster than Sony's version, which I think is like 1.8 or 2.4 or something like that. Okay. I didn't actually write that down, so I don't know. But there you go. They're like, if you need if you need the fastest wide lens that you can get and you're willing to compromise on like weight and not having filters and all this stuff, so you, Sig- Sigma's got your back. You can't put a filter on this thing? Yep. It has a mount on the back for rear filters. Oh, interesting. But uh, no uh, no front screw-ons. Wow. It's a, it's a fisheye style. Interesting. So, yeah, it's got like four aspherical elements, and they say that it focuses reasonably quick. But obviously, like the big thing that you run into with something like this is that if you need it to focus fast, it's a lot of momentum to move yeah. that glass around. Yeah, like like it's going to like throw you forward whenever you try and focus. Uh-huh, yeah, like it, <laughs> like, like you rack focus, then you knocks you off your feet a little bit. You get like some torque steer from yep. focusing or something. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's, that's so crazy. From the reviews that I've seen, it focuses quickly. And huh. so I guess they put in good enough motors for it. And yeah. I don't know. I think it's kind of an interesting option. Yeah. It's nice for, you know, say you're a camera company and you don't want to have to make all the lenses yourself. And like maybe maybe you're like Fuji and like all of your lenses have to fit into the one little lens box. Mm-hmm. And if they're any bigger than that, you don't ship it. Yep. You need someone out there who's going to compromise on weight and size and looks and everything else, just for image quality. Yeah, Canon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's cool lens, and yeah. it's also for L mount because oh, okay. Sigma's mm-hmm. in the L mount alliance. And I don't know. I'm it's, happy to see more stuff coming out for L mount. Well, that's the thing, man. Since yeah. Sigma's on the train, mm-hmm. if Sigma drops a lens, it's gonna be for your Leica camera. Yeah, yeah, or your uh, Panasonic camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the more of this stuff that they release before the S1H Mark II comes out the better. Yeah. It's just really going to solidify that as camera of the year 2024. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Pretty cool. You know, there have been rumors circling about the upcoming R1. I think I've heard some of that. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we're, we're all waiting for it. 
Canon's like, there are three and there are five and there are mm-hmm. six and there are 100 and there are seven and there are eight and there are 10 and there are 50. Where's the R1? Where is it? You must have forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. There's talk that it could be like 80 megapixels. It's a lot. It could be 45. We'll see. There's talk of it being a quad uh, quad pixel instead of your dual pixel autofocus. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Well, Apparently, apparently, with dual pixel, because every single pixel is an autofocus on one half and a photo sight on the other half, It if you like rotate the camera, like you take something off axis because all the, all the focus sights are on the same half and you're catching something at like a weird, like a weird light angle, it can have issues grabbing focus in like those situations. Oh, <laughs> like if you imagine light hitting the sensor off axis kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. And so the quad pixel autofocus is supposed to fix that because it'll be full. It'll be two and two. Like a checkerboard. Yeah. And then it'll, it'll checkerboard mm. it. So. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Guess we'll see. Guess we'll see. But but no Sigma lenses for that. No, and obviously not. Who needs them? That's what I say. <laughs> That's it. Just a quick update on that lens. Yeah. You happen to know how much the thing costs? Oh, geez. Probably a billion dollars. Yeah, probably a billion dollars. 1600 you know, that's not as bad as I would have thought, honestly. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's still cheaper than most RF lenses. Mm-hmm. It is an art lens. Pretty cool. Which means it's good. Yeah. They made it for astrophotography, primarily. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So, cool. There you go. Good job, Sigma. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to skip over this monopod thing, even though it's probably fun to talk about. And I want to tell you about this Moon Smart Focus. Do you know what this is? <laughs> I looked it up. Uh, oh a no, little, no, a little bit earlier, but I it, no, don't don't worry because I looked it up and I still have no idea what it is. Okay, good. Do you know how much it cost? I yes, I do know. How much no, it costs. <laughs> I was going to describe it to you. I almost didn't put it on here because I didn't want you to look it up. So I was going to describe it to you and then make you guess well, how I much it costs. I saw the picture. It's like, what even is that? And so I did look some stuff up on it. But tell, it. but tell us about it. Dang it, man! This is going to be my game. I was going to be like. And it does this and it does this. And Daniel, how much do you think it costs? No, and then you were going to be like, I don't know, $5,000? And I'm like, not even close, Daniel. Man. Way more than that. <laughs> You'd be like, $50,000? I'm like, oh, what are you, an idiot? This would be great. But no. The moment has been ruined. It's $24,000. It is. Okay, there. Everyone knows. <laughs> and now we can talk about it. All right. Which is, this is for your cinema shoots. And as, as if you're, you know, you're running as your, as your first AC, you're pulling focus, you're doing your focus pull stuff, and your your talent misses their mark, and you pulled to, to five meters, and they were at 5.5, and you missed focus, and it's your fault. It's your fault. This works to alleviate that problem. And so what it is, is it's like a, like a depth map sensor that you mount on the front of your camera, on your cinema rig, mm-hmm. and it will determine the depth of all of the subjects in the frame so it'll use its ai they definitely use that word a lot oh on man there's so much ai happening it'll use its artificial intelligence to identify like people and objects in the frame and then it will feed back to your display the distance that all those are mm-hmm. and then like you can have it highlight the closest one or the farthest one or that sort of thing that way if you're pulling focus and like you're manually pulling it, but you have have more information yeah. coming from this thing, so you can see like, oh shoot, they're actually different than what we planned. Mm-hmm. I can you know modify on the fly to make sure that they're in focus, and it's like this one little extra bit of information, yeah, so that you can get your distances exactly right. Pretty cool. And then it also 
well, you can use it for autofocus. Yeah, because like it integrates with follow focus systems, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so it will it can do like people tracking and object tracking, and you can like specifically draw a box around. Oh, I want you to track this thing, and it'll do its best, and it'll track mm-hmm. and it'll pull focus for you. I'm curious how well that works. Yeah, I'm curious too. Like all of these autofocus systems, there's kind of like the thing that people are selling their cameras on. Mm-hmm. But if you're shooting on a cinema rig. You don't have autofocus. Yeah. And so, like, this gives you the opportunity. You slap this on your DXO with all your gears, mm-hmm. and now you're just you're autofocusing all day. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the thing that DJI has, where they have that LiDAR yeah. thing on their uh, on the uh, Ronin 4D, and then they also sell it as an add-on for the uh, some of the gimbals. Right. And that's that, kind of a cool thing, but that like gives you a top down and uses lasers and you can like look mm, at a top down of where your focus is. Yeah. This seems more of like an overlay on a screen, but still yeah. mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. Yeah. You keep mentioning the screen. Did you look much into that? So it uses an, it's supposed to use an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so it feeds everything back to an iPhone and then you put the transmitter and the, uh, the lens thing on your, on your camera. Yeah. And then you, you, mm-hmm. I guess you like mount the, iPhone to whatever your little follow focus custom built handle deal is. Yep. Did you catch that included in that twenty four thousand dollars is an iPhone? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> they they just give you an iPhone with it. Oh my gosh! And the reason the reason for it is like as dumb and as obvious as you would think, which is that you don't want to be getting personal notifications on the phone while you're trying to pull focus on your cinema shoot. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> I did not realize that that yeah. comes with an iPhone. Okay, I'm into it. That's it, super cool. It's such a funny way of just like throwing money at the problem. Because yep. I mean, all these other companies, you know, make screens and stuff. Like, you know. I like, mean, like they need the computing power and all yeah. this thing to do the focus. And so they're like, what if we just build a stupid app for an iPhone that has a good screen and then just ship it with the thing? Yeah, it's like like that $1,000 that they pay for an iPhone Pro Max or whatever, yeah. like it's probably worth it to them. Oh, man, it's probably super <laughs> worth it. Like manufacturing something that it's like that good of a computer with that good of a screen would cost them way more yeah. and it would be way worse. Yep. I love it. That's so good. <laughs> That's super, super smart. Yeah. Weird product, uh, you know, obviously for like the high end market, it, it seems like it's from like Sweden or something. And, you know, I mean, like, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. They, they had some like DPs and stuff that were using it and saying it was good, but it's very strange. I, I, can't, I can't tell yet, like how much of that is marketing and how much is real people using it. So we'll 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 see. I don't know. It's fun. It's clearly for you know, like cinema shoots. Maybe maybe your indie film where you can't afford the AC, or maybe like it's a super pro thing where you need the extra input so that you mm. don't miss it. So you don't have to do reshoots. Yeah, I could see this saving money. Yeah, could I be. mean, when you have everyone on scene, you have all the actors and all this stuff, and you're, you're rigging out your camera and whatever. I mean, 24 grand to add this on there, that's like yeah. half a lens. Well, and plus, like, you know, a lot of times you're going to rent gear. Yep. And it's not going to cost that much yeah. to rent. And I think so. that's kind of like the big thing here. Mm-hmm. So cool. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. I need to remember to not put things on the show notes that I don't want you to look up. <laughs> yeah, you got to hide them, man. <laughs> you have my own secret show notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. man. Okay. Glad you got that idea in your head. Yep. All right. Let's 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 skip down. So I'm on the one jabbering all the time here. Uh, uh, do you want to tell me about this Canon R100 that came out 10 weeks ago? Uh, we probably should. Let's take a short break before we do that. All right. And then we'll talk about the R100. So this R100. Yep. I thought this was a really interesting decision on Canon's part. So they announced this camera. It's pretty cheap. It's 480 body only. 
or 600 with a 18 to 45 lens. APS-C, but it's RF mount, so it uses those new RFS uh, APS-C lenses that are on the uh, R50, uh, but I think it can use regular, you know, full frame. Yeah, RF that's, that's what too. I was going to ask. Uh, but basically, it seems like this is sort of a new version of the Canon M50. It's the same sensor that was on the Canon M50 Mark II. Um, and, you know, clearly the, the purpose of this is to be like a low entry level option, um, you know, into Canon's lineup. I mean, this is, this is a replacement for the Canon Rebel series. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like Rebel T3i and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I mean, it kind of seems like they found like some old camera bodies in a warehouse somewhere and used them because this thing doesn't even have a flip screen. No, it's like uh, they took a DSLR body and they just. I don't even think I swapped the sensor. They're like, well, take the mirror out, <laughs> put an RF mount on it, call it a day. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think that was the one, the the screen was the one feature to me that immediately like made this camera feel like like weirdly, uncharacteristically cheap to me. Not not affordable, but just like cheap. You know, like not, yeah. having a, not even having a tilt screen or a flip screen or anything. It's like, what are you guys doing? Well, I mean, that's the whole idea, right? Like, this is the cheapest camera in the line, unless they come out with an R1000 mm-hmm. or something. And it's, you know, how do we get people in the door with Canon? They want a Canon camera. They need to get into the lens ecosystem. And what is the cheapest way we can do it, but also turn a 30% profit? Yeah, yeah. Because there is, like, this thing is so, like, hamstrung, nerfed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, no, no flippy screen. The best thing it has going for it is that it's a 24 megapixel sensor, mm-hmm. but that and that's it. Like, it can do four 4K with a crop at 24 frames per second. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> it can't. It can't do 30 frames per second. <laughs> it's just, it's so it's so bad. Like the the, the burst rate is 6.5 frames 6. per second. 6.5. I was watching the Canon release on this and they're like a blistering <laughs> 6. Point. I'm like, holy cow, that's it. What is it? 2015? Golly. Like no, six, no IBIS, obviously. Yeah, no IBIS. No, the screen doesn't move. It shoots 1080 60 if you if you need it to, but everything else has a major crop on video. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have dual pixel autofocus. It's just contrast detect. Yeah. So you don't even get like that legendary Canon autofocus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the only lenses you're going to be able to afford with it are the RFS lenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because no, nobody's going to put like an RF 24 to 70 on their, no. you know, $500 yeah. R100. And like if you're buying this camera, you're buying zooms and all the zooms are like F 4.5 to mm-hmm. 6.3. Mm-hmm. And this thing's going to be good for, for shooting outside single photos. <laughs> One of the big advertised features is it shoots raw, and you can shoot in all manual. Well, I guess it's got that at least, but I don't know. It's just it. I feel like it's it's so hamstrung, as you said, and like the features are so limited that it it's like it's a bad intro to Canon. Like it doesn't give people the Canon experience, you know, of like of like understanding why you'd want to spend more on a, a camera from them. Like I think they went too far with this. Maybe maybe it's a. Uh just exists so that people more people buy the r50 i mean it could because if you compare it to the r50 it's so it's 480 dollars. the r50 is 680 body only so mm-hmm. you know it's like what like 30 percent cheaper than the r50 yeah but but on the other hand it's 200 dollars. and if you look at the features compared to the r50 
I feel like you get a lot for that $200. You get a lot for that $200. Mm. So maybe you're right. Maybe it just uh, cements the R50, you know, as like a, a good value on that lower end. But I just like, I would never recommend that somebody buy this camera over an R50. I, I wouldn't either. I mean, it's just so, it's so cheap. Mm-hmm. Like I want cheap cameras. I, that's great. Like people need inexpensive cameras that they take better pictures in their phone. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I want to get into photography. I want to graduate from my phone. But like, I don't know why you would buy this over any sort of used camera. Yeah. Like go find like a used A7C or mm-hmm. like an A7R from like five years ago, or I don't know, you can find, you could probably find a cheap used camera for this price that's better in every single way. Well, I mean, like to use a, a real example at the same price, my X-T30 was about 500 body only last December. And that's the, a way better camera. Yeah, the X-T30 is dramatically better than this camera. And like same price, like you're going to have to buy a lens with either of those options, you know. And It's got a high resolution screen. It's got hybrid autofocus it has the film simulations it can shoot raw it can shoot at 20 frames per second burst it's got a better evf it's an x mount so the lenses are cheaper yeah i mean like, all of those it's things. smaller it's lighter it geez yeah i mean not to go all fuji cast on it but sorry, you know, sorry. Like, it's it, it, that's a much better choice and that's kind of what it comes down to to me is that i mean I, I agree with you it's like i want cheaper cameras to exist but if this is the set of features you can get in a new camera for that price, then I would always recommend so we buy a used camera over a new one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I thought that this conversation about the R100 was going to just lead into more complaints about how expensive Canon lenses are. And I was trying to remember what RFS lenses they have. And I know that when the M50 came out, they released a couple zooms, I think, Mm -hmm. like a super zoom. And And then when you said said M50, you mean the R50? Yes, I mean the R50. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they had like a, I don't know, like an 18 to 100 or something like that with some terrible f-stop. And then they had another another telephoto zoom. Yeah, they, they did have some. And I mean, that's kind of the problem is that the uh, aperture and all this stuff's just not that great. Like the the kit lens for this camera is 18 to 45, f4, f4.5 to 6.3. And so like you've got a, it's like insult injury. You've got an APS-C sensor. And then at the 45 millimeter range, you're getting f6.3. I mean, it's just, it's just not great. Well, it's like people's phones take good pictures. This camera is going to probably have better detail than something like a 12 megapixel, you know, phone camera. Yeah. And like the league, but you know, the thing that people see is like that low depth of field. That's probably maybe like the first thing they're going to want to do. Like they bought their new fancy camera mm-hmm. and they want to take like a cool low depth of field portrait. Like, I don't know how they how they get to they, they're not going to get that with the kit lens, but they're going to buy it with the kit lens and assume they can, and then they're not going to you know feel like oh well what do I have to do to figure this out and they have to learn what f stops are yep. and they have to get so far down the road to understand that they should have bought a two hundred dollar fifty millimeter one point eight and that would have been the perfect lens to go with this and they would have got what they were looking for, but like I don't know it feels like a bad intro because they're probably just going to give up on photography before like. I don't know, like for me, if I was like first getting into it, it's like I want to like find the thing that I was looking for that gets me excited about it, mm-hmm. and then that pulls me farther in. Yeah, and I can't see anything about the R100 that would draw somebody in to like getting into like doing photography or content creation or that sort of thing. Yeah, that that's basically exactly how I feel. I mean, like like for me, not having dual pixel autofocus kind of stands out in that regard, where it's like this is like Canon's thing is that the autofocus is really good. 
And if you're getting a new person buying a Canon camera, you want them to be really impressed with that experience so that they're like, I'm, I'm a Canon user now because I really like that autofocus. Yeah, like this was a really good camera and like everything was great about it. Now I can keep my lenses and mm-hmm. I can go buy um, an R10 or an R7 yeah. or an R8. I can just keep listening to them if you want. <laughs> I don't know. You know, they came out that PowerShot V10 thing a while back that I didn't think made much sense either. That was the uh, the one that you hold vertically like a flip camera. And this one like makes even less sense to me. And it's, I don't know who's buying this camera. It's, it's just going to be like, because it's the cheapest thing. Like what is, I want to get into shooting. What is the cheapest camera I can buy? And I think that they're doing themselves a disservice because if the cheapest Canon camera you could buy was an R50, mm-hmm. that's a decent camera. And people are probably going to have a good time and a good experience and they're going to enjoy shooting Canon and they're going to buy another Canon camera. Yep. But if it's this, they're going to buy the kit lens and they're never going to swap anything else on it. They're not going to like it. And they're going to be eyeballing other people's cameras and they're going to tell them to switch to Sony. And then they're just going to buy a Sony. Yeah. And I mean, if there's one thing that we don't want more of in this world, is more Sony bros. <laughs> just got to get get your khaki pants and your baseball. I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with that. <laughs> I mean, I on the conversation of the RF class, I do think Canon has slowly been getting to a point where there's some reasonable compromise. I think that the zooms are still lacking. It would be really nice if there was like an 18 to 55 f4 zoom for RF. Yeah. Doesn't, like doesn't even have to be faster than that. Just f4 through the range, it can cost a thousand bucks. And like, but they don't have that. Yeah. You're either paying like $20 for like an f8 to f9 stupid plastic zoom, or you're paying two or three thousand dollars to get your 24 to 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, especially in this APS-C line. Maybe we'll see it start to change now that they have several APS-C cameras, but Canon's APS-C stuff has always felt like they're, like, it's always felt like their second best stuff. You know, it doesn't seem like they really put much effort Mm -hmm. into it and all that. And that's kind of one thing where a company like Fuji comes out with all these really good X-mount lenses because it's a priority for them. It's like their main thing or one of their main things. And for Canon, it just does not feel that way. Yeah. But then if you look at the primes, Canon offers an RF like 16, 28, 35, 50, and 85. And those are all affordable. They're all F2 or lower, and they're sub $400. Yeah. Like the, that suite of cheap, fast primes that they make, fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's like if they added a slightly better zoom to that, I could see an argument for, yeah, no, Canon has a lot of good cheap class. They don't have a mid-range. But they have cheap stuff and they have really expensive stuff. Yeah, and that would probably be fine. And maybe like that's their market. They have the people who are really into it and they're going to shell out and buy their R6 Mark II or their R7. Nope, R5 went the wrong way. Yeah. I'm thinking Nikon. Just kidding. I wasn't thinking Nikon. (laughs) (laughs) But you were kind of thinking Nikon. (laughs) Anyway. uh, And they're going to buy their really expensive L-Glass and they have no one in the middle. And then there's the people who just want the cheapest thing possible. Yeah. And it feels like they're like, that's our market. There's no one in the middle. And that's it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would like to see it change. I think that they could capture some of that market pretty easily. Like, it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard for them to make one or two key lenses that would I'm, make it a much better deal. They're like this close, right? Because yeah. the R8 is $1,500. And that is just the best bang for your buck full frame camera you can buy right now. And if there was like a decent F4 zoom to slap on that, that isn't this, you know, like 24 to 50, whatever F 
4.5 to 5.1 or this like 24 to 105 F4 to F7.1. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you don't even want those to put on your full frame camera. Like, give you a constant aperture. Like, it can be kind of slow. It doesn't have to be 218. I don't know. The 24 to 105 was amazing EF lens. And so many people bought it. And like, there is no equivalent to that on yeah. RF mountain. I don't understand why. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like if there was any lens that you would see somebody with on EF, it was that lens. Right. And I mean, you, you could, you have one, I have a coffee mug of one. Yeah. You could buy it for, I think it was like $1,200 new or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just making that up, but it wasn't expensive. I mean, so relatively speaking, you and could it find a, it used a, for less than a thousand dollars. And it was L L glass. So it, it was good. lens. Yeah. It was a good lens L glass. And like, that's the lens that everybody had yeah. for their Canon. And I don't like their equivalent for this is this 24 to 105, 4 to 7.1. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why? not an equivalent. Like, why? Mm. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, would it be too big, too heavy? Or are they worried that it would like eat into their really expensive RF sales? Yeah. I don't know. It's just that's that's the whole. Like, if they made that that lens for RF, like that would be it, right? You say, like, buy that lens. Buy an R7, buy um, an M, an R50, R10, like, and then you're good to go. Like, you will enjoy photography. The autofocus is going to be good. You have decent video specs to fall back on, and like, you're just you're on the Canon train. Yeah, on that Canon train. So maybe I'm just not giving enough credit. Maybe this 15 to 30, 4.5 to 6.3 is the right <laughs> lens for somebody, <laughs> and they're going to get that, and they're going to get their 24 millimeter macro, and then just they they shoot wide and. That's their life. Maybe so. We'll see. I I don't think this R100 is going to sell very well. And I really want to see Canon do a little bit like, I mean, you know, it feels like six months ago we were complaining they didn't have enough low-end cameras and they've kind of solved that problem. But now they need low-end lenses to go with their low-end cameras. But they need like, well, I think they need low price lenses, not low-end lenses. Yeah, they have low-end lenses. They just need like, they need a a middle, a middle range lens. And maybe that's just the last thing to fill out. Like you, you build the expensive stuff. You start building the cheap stuff for the masses, and then like you fill in the middle later. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I can't figure it out. They could just they could just open this up to Sigma. You know, maybe open up the mount, and that would solve all their problems. No, they'll never do that. I mean, Sigma will don't, happily don't get crazy. <laughs> Sigma will happily su- uh, sell a a thirty millimeter, a sixteen millimeter, and a fifty six point nothing, a fifty six millimeter <laughs> APS-C lens to yeah. anybody who has a mount. They'll just like they'll slap it on there and. <laughs> Just waiting for Canon to say go. They've probably already built them. Yeah, they, they just have them sitting there ready. Yeah, waiting. They're, they're ready. Because <laughs> Canon says, oh, yep, and we open up the mount. Boom, they're on the shelves. <laughs> you can buy all three for $1,000. Here you go. Man, that'd be so good. Yeah. I don't even want to think about it. It's just, that'd be too perfect. <laughs> it would be. They're, they're good lenses. Yeah. I, I used to own one. You used to own a lot of lenses. That's... <laughs> You That's go through lenses quite a bit. I've been thinking be recently that I need to sell all my lenses. Oh my gosh, of course you have. So I've been trying to justify whether or not I need a, a 56 millimeter or 1.2 in my life. Or maybe like that Sigma 56 1.4. You've been thinking about that 56 focal length for a long time. I just, I like, in some ways, I feel like that's what's missing in my life. <laughs> just like on a broad spectrum of... All the things that could be missing in my life, a 56 millimeter lens is like number probably number one on the list. I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like you can you can spend so much time wanting more and more lenses, and I mean, and obviously they all do different things, and you know we we like camera gear and all that, but 
it's just like after a while, does that really change your photography game that much? Well, I mean, like, hear me out. That's it's it's like 85 millimeter equivalent. And that's like the portrait lens. And so if I wanted to have just one lens to take pictures of things that are, I don't know, say like six to eight feet away. And maybe I'm going to like do some like street photography or something. I don't know. Like maybe I like I just like add a thing and I just want like a fast, good portrait ish lens. I mean, the 23 is really good, but right now I go from 23 to 80. I have nothing yeah. in the middle, Daniel. You, but you also want to get that 75. I mean, like sometimes <laughs> 56 isn't long enough and you need you need a little longer. And then my 82.8 just isn't fast enough. I think you have a problem. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I, there's no way that I could justify owning a 75 and a 56. But obviously I could justify owning one or the other. I just feel like the the seventy five is a harder argument because I own an eighty. Yeah, yeah, it's like five five off. I know I know it's a much faster aperture, but still. But like I have that that gap, that gap, man. It's I mean, sure, I have the seventeen to seventy, but we can both agree <laughs> that that's not the solution for me because that one's also two point eight. I gotta shoot primes, Daniel. I feel like there was a time when I had more lenses than you did, but that. That balance of power has definitely shifted. Okay. You don't, I don't have that many more lenses than you. Well, I've got the, I've got the Sigma 30, which like I barely even count because I don't use that lens. And the only reason I haven't gotten rid of it is because like the amount that I would get for selling that lens is literally not worth it. Yeah. It's absolutely not worth it. You should, you should just keep that lens. Yeah. Because like maybe at some point you're going to need a 1.4 aperture mm -hmm. and that's like, that's your fastest lens. Yeah. That's true. Everything else you have is 2.8. Yeah. Besides that, Lucas, I only have three lenses. Like, like at like period? I think that. I mean, okay. I mean, I've got, I've got micro four thirds stuff. Yeah. But the only reason I still have that is because my mom is like wanting to be interested in photography. And so I've kept a couple of my micro four thirds things just in case she wants to do it. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense. But like in terms of gear that I use, I have the 27. Mm -hmm. the 17 to 70 mm -hmm. and the 56 to 140 yeah. and I mean, then the aforementioned sigma 30 that's all i have oh that's right you do have so you do have four lenses i, yeah. forgot, I forgot about the 27 millimeter yeah yeah i don't know when you would ever reach for that 30 well, yeah yeah well i mean i have the 27 on it stays on the xt30 basically full time and it's for travel i think the 30 millimeter could be an interesting like a roll lens yeah if you ever got back into doing like those drone videos? Well, and I, I keep it in the interview kit because I always feel like, who knows, maybe I would want this for like an interview shot or something. But I, I could I could definitely say it's using that, though. Like the more we do that interview stuff, the more I'm like, can we just shoot at 5.6, please? Because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> I really just need, I need this to be sharp and I need yeah. it to be in focus. And yeah. I, I I don't I don't need this at 1.4. But all that to say, I'm, I'm over here, like when I go to an event to shoot, I've got like two lenses in my bag. You're like, I brought my entire kit, Lucas. And you, you've you got like seven lenses. Oh, so. oh, yeah. You know, well, I think I counted these up before. My problem is that I, I own a lot of like old Canon stuff mm -hmm. that I just don't want to get rid of because it, it has importance to me. Mm -hmm. and I, so, well, okay. Let, I mean, let's, let's cut you some slack. Lenses that you use in like your like regular rotation. I, How about like, that? I've been bringing those. I've been bringing those Canon ones I, back no, in, man. That's why I. That's why I asked. You use those lenses. I do. I use the seventy to two hundred, and I use the twenty four to one hundred five sometimes because, mm -hmm. like, I can. I have that fringer, so I'll just like adapt that because the twenty four to one hundred five is stabilized. So putting that on the X two three, 
just works. Yeah. And like it's it's that's a fun range. Okay, if you're shooting on APS-C and you have a 24 to 105, that's like 35 to like 150 ish. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty fun range. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying. It gives me options, okay? Okay, so you've got those two Canon lenses. Mm-hmm. And then what, what other Fuji lenses are in your bag? Well, when I have you those two Canon. And I've been thinking about, because of this like deep desire for a 56 millimeter lens, I've been thinking about bringing the Nifty 50 back out. Okay. Which is not optimized on the Fringer. And it's just, it always like click, click, clicks. But I haven't tried it on the X-H2S. Mm-hmm. And so I probably am going to bring out the EF 50 millimeter 1.8 again. So you've got, that's three lenses that's and three. you haven't even gotten the yeah. native glass And yet. then I do have two... Uh, FE lenses, FE, EFF. Those are the FE. Old, those are the old the film old. ones, and I do use the 50 millimeter 1.8 sometimes because it looks pretty stinking cool. So there's those, but I mean, we can't count those. And then, I mean, I guess I have the 44 2 now, yeah. Which I've been thinking about buying a bespoke speed booster from China for that, <laughs> which I probably should because it's only eighty dollars. Yeah, I think and that's should. gonna look super swirly and delicious. So yep. I'm definitely gonna do that. And then I'm going to have to buy more screw mount stuff because then I'll have a screw mount speed booster. Yeah. Like I need to get, like there's some legendary lenses that are that are screw mount that are pretty pretty cool. Daniel. Have, have you considered that you might need to get a second Peak Design backpack just to hold all these lenses? Daniel, do you, don't, you have no idea how many lenses that uh, 45 <laughs> liter travel backpack can hold. <laughs> I, can, I can easily hold 15 lenses in that bag. <laughs> okay. And then, and then as far as Fuji, it's just, it's only the 16 millimeter and the 23 and the 17 to 70 and the 80. Yeah, yeah. Only, only those. It's only four lenses. You have four lenses. I have four lenses. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> Nobody ever sees their own problems, but, but you, you've got some problems. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's a hole in the lineup. And until like oh, two, a week from now, like end of June, which I know that dates this podcast, but still, I think the 56 1.2, the original one, is still $500 brand new. Oh, man. Only five hundred dollars. Yep. But the but the question is, can you get one that doesn't have that problem? Well, but it's brand new. So you think, like, you think it wouldn't have that problem? I, I think may, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's all different problems. Yeah. But boy, I just I thought that lens is just. I think it's never going to happen for me. It's been eating away at you. You, mm-hmm. you. How many times have you bought that lens? I mean, I bought it the first time, and then it had that problem where it would like go crazy and shut the camera off. Mm-hmm. And so I brought it back, and then they gave me another one, and then that one had the case falling apart. So I brought that one back, and they gave me another one, and that one also had a case problem. And, and all three of those were used. Yes. Yeah. And so then I bought the 30 Sigma. So you've only purchased, you only tried to purchase one lens, but you you saw three copies of it, and they all had problems. Yes. And now you're going to buy it again, but you're going to buy I a did. new one. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. If I buy a new one, I don't want to have that problem. <laughs> I do think you'd probably get more use out of it than that Sigma 30. Yeah, I, I mean, think so. Like, I bought the Sigma 30 because it was cheap, and like being new to Fuji, it was like, I want to fill out my lineup with a fast aperture mm-hmm. prime. So it made sense for that. Yeah. But I am a big proponent of you always need a fast aperture prime. Yeah. Like, you can you can shoot on your, your two zooms all day, but like, get a 50 mil equivalent or get like a 35 equivalent. And like one of those are probably like mm. just get a fast prime. Yeah. You'll enjoy it. But with where you're at, where you've got the 16, you've got the 23, mm-hmm. you got, you sold your 30, which I think was a good decision. Yeah. I mean, the 56 does give you something unique, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, man, you got a lot of lenses. I just, so here's the other problem with this. And I know like we are just way off in the weeds here, but I had, I had, where have you been? That's what this podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Welcome to the weeds podcast. It's not what you think. And I had the 16 mil. 
And like that was my go-to. If I wasn't shooting on a zoom, I'm shooting on my 16 because that is an incredible lens. And I thought nothing would replace this. Why would I ever shoot with anything else? And then I got that 23. <laughs> and just like a little bit, I feel like I'm betraying my 16. Yeah, you use that 23 quite mm-hmm. a bit. I, mean, I feel I, like I see you talking about that 23 more than the 16. I just like I bought the 16 twice. I just love it so much. And it's like choosing your favorite child. Like I love the new one more as you do with children. <laughs> but like the old one still has a special place in my heart. And soon it will go to college. <laughs> and I can forget about it. And the problem is that when I, if I bring in that third child lens, sorry, I just that's wor- when things really get complicated. I just worry that the twenty three and the sixteen are going to be that much more neglected. Yeah, because I I only shoot so many pictures. Say I shoot, I you don't shoot know, a lot of pictures. Say I shoot like sixty thousand pictures a month, just a wild number. Yeah, you know who knows? Probably probably yeah, that that's many. probably in the ballpark. Wild get. I mean, those have to be shot on lenses, and I'm not going to now shoot like an extra ten thousand more pictures a month. Mm-hmm. And so that just means I'm getting that many less pictures with the 23 and the 16. And the other problem with this is that because of that new uh, tracking feature in the X app, it's going to be able to just tell you those numbers. You're going to you're going to be faced with that every time you open that app. Well, and I could it's just use shame you into not using those lenses. I could use that for better lens decisions. You could. Can you imagine how tore up I would be if I looked at that and it was like when your least used lenses is your 16 millimeter 1.4. Especially because you know what the most used lines would be. Be <laughs> <laughs> that freaking Tamron lens. That's how mine is, man. I go shoot events sometimes, and sometimes that's the only lens I take. And I'm like, I don't need anything else. This one does it all, and I hate it. It's so I bad. It so oh, much. That's so freaking useful. <laughs> Makes me angry. <laughs> Oh, boy. I just, I don't, I could, like, I would have to decide if I was going to sell the 16 then because I'm like, well, I'm going to use lens the 16. I guess oh, I have man. to get rid of it. Imagine the shame of buying the 16 twice and then being like, meh, I'm just going to sell this. If I sold it a year later, I would be like, damn, maybe I should buy that 16 again. <laughs> you think it would take a year? No, it would be like six months. I would regret it every day. Yeah. <sighs> what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Some, somehow we were talking about RF glass and we ended up on this. I don't oh, know. Geez. I don't know. Just, I, just, I, I think we're, we're probably out of time. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably just quit. Yeah, I think I think we'll quit, we'll quit before we dig any further. Yeah, that makes sense. That's it for the show today. Thanks for listening. And we'd encourage you to rate the show on iTunes and tell a friend, but only if you enjoyed it. You can find out more about us on our website at cameragearpodcast.com. We'll be back with more next week.